What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me, as he does every week for our college football podcast, is Joe Sieben. Joe, you're back from Baton Rouge. How, how was the trip, uh, and, and how are you doing? Yeah, back from down in the bayou. Great trip. Um, yeah, they didn't cover the spread, but great game. They, they played really well. Um, night game was awesome to see the atmosphere. Got to check out the facilities, get a full tour see the, the stadium and the field uh, pregame and postgame and, and see that and just the whole the full experience. Uh, first time down in SEC country and, and going to a game like that. So it's definitely different, you know, being a Big Ten fan and seeing a lot of games in those stadiums. But mm-hmm. awesome trip. was a fantastic time. We had to check out New Orleans at the tail end as well. Cafe Dumont, some mm-hmm. unbeatable beignets. Yeah, beignets. But uh, yeah, unreal. I mean, New Orleans, Baton Rouge. It was a it was a really fun time down there. Yeah, it looks like a looks like a fun place to watch a football game. I mean, the game itself was really close. We can get into the game a little bit later because we have some some other headliners um, that we want to talk about from Week Four. But looks like a fun trip. the The tour of the facilities, I mean, looks sick. Uh, getting to get on that field looked awesome. I mean, did did it feel bigger than you expected? Because on TV, it looks absolutely massive. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So we went, I mean, we got to check out the facilities and, and see like kind of like a recruiting visit kind of deal. Yeah. Like, you know, look at the Heisman trophies, you know, all the all the national championships and different trophies guys have won there and, and records and accolades. And just see the full facility, the weight room, um, you know, indoor fields, outdoor fields. They're doing some construction and kind of revamping uh, their practice facility and, you know, putting nutrition and just all these things that are top of the line for a, a Power 5 team, SEC and a national title contender. So really revamping it down there. And then going to the stadium, I mean, it it's massive. It is just huge. Yeah. We checked it out um, the day before, and we walked uh, to the edge of the field and got to see that. And it's old, but it's, it's you know, it's revamped. Like, it's got some really cool mm-hmm. new stuff still within there. And then it's just a huge stadium. Like, I was just trying to imagine when I was standing there, like, in 24 hours, when it was going to be 100,000 people there. And then the next day, like, the student section was packed, you know, an hour before game time. The rest of the stadium fills out, and it's it's loud. It's loud in there, and they sang Colin Baton Rouge, and they play Knack and all that, those oh, different – okay. yeah. uh, The marching bands, especially in SEC, if, like, the bands themselves are, are loud, and they've got the cool figures on the field that they make with everyone out there. Um, but it was – I mean, it was massive, I think. And it wasn't – I wouldn't say it was completely sold out. Like I think the game was sold out, but it wasn't um, every seat was filled during the game. But I can only imagine during uh, that game last year, LSU versus Alabama in like, the fourth quarter, like just how loud it is on the field. Like I can't even imagine for the for the quarterback trying to hear the play call. Yeah, you also saw Paul Skeens, MLB number one. Yeah, the, dude, the stars were out. The stars were out. Paul <laughs> Skeens was there. He was with Livy. <laughs> um, honored some base that the baseball team they gave like a, a little shout out to them. So um, I think Dylan Cruz was there, and the rest of the team was also in attendance. Or certain guys. It yeah. was a really big recruiting weekend for LSU, not just for football, but for all the sports. Their other big home game is versus Auburn, so they're at Ole Miss, they're at Alabama. So these were the this was probably yeah. their second biggest home game of the year. So a lot of big time recruits. There was a five star quarterback, I, I forget his name, but he was there in town for football. They had baseball recruits, basketball recruits, women's basketball recruits. Apparently, the number one softball uh, recruit was also there. So just a massive yeah. weekend down in Baton Rouge. And, um, yeah, I think there were some other, some other celebrities at, at the game in a few weeks. But it was cool. 
I mean, I saw like um, Angel Reese was there and Haley oh, yeah. Van Myth was there. So it seemed like all the sports, this is, you know, the place to be on a Saturday in Baton Rouge. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, Libby Dunn, definitely, uh, you know, someone of note, but it's no Taylor Swift. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Had... <laughs> and any thoughts? I mean, we, we did the Taylor Swift pod. So, and you're obviously a big Swifty. Any, any thoughts on that, I, that whole thing? I mean, I, I thought it was true. It'd been a weird thing for Travis and Jason Kelsey to be kind of be putting all those things out there. But I'm shocked she went to the game. She was sitting with his mom. I mean, I love it. I think it's fantastic. They're both of them don't, I mean, she's barely said anything publicly about it. And he's like, hey, you know, we're focusing on our careers, but we're having a good time. Like, you know, things are going well. So I think they're both like, I mean, a lot of Taylor Swift relationships just kind of happen yeah. for a little bit and then fizzle out, which will probably happen, I'd guess, with, with Travis. But I thought it was super cool. His jersey sales spiked and the Chief stuff is spiking. He gained a bunch of followers. So the Swifties are in, are in full force following him now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, she she'll probably never want to watch football again after having to watch four quarters of Chicago Bears football in person. Um, but I mean, out of all the games that he decides to ask her to go to, it's the Bears game, and of course they win by fifty points. Um, Just beat the wheels off of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Bears Broncos this weekend too. Can't wait for that. Can't believe people are spending real money to go watch that game in person too. But I mean, the the real money should have been put on pregame. I mean. We should have been bet the house on Kelsey to score. I mean, he was a lot to get a touchdown eventually in that game. And, and Mahomes literally said, like, he was he was targeting him, like, trying to get him a touchdown specifically because Taylor Swift was there, which is so funny. It just shows you how bad the Bears are, man. Teams just clown us. Um, but anyway, uh, let's get back to the college football landscape. It was a great weekend uh, for games. Obviously, we talked about how loaded the slate was heading into the weekend, and, and I would say it absolutely delivered. Um, two really good games, um, and, and then a lot of other interesting ones as well. A um, lot of storylines coming out of this weekend, um, I, and I feel like we we have a really good understanding of of kind of who's good and who's not after week four. Um, and also, we're we're changing up the podcast format a little bit this week. We had been doing um, a recap pod, or a recap and preview. Um, of the previous week and of the the coming week in the same podcast, but we're going to start splitting them up. Um, so we'll be dropping the recap pods on, on usually probably Tuesdays. And then the preview pods will come to you guys on Thursdays, honestly, just because the support's been so great um, for these college football podcasts, you guys have been eating them up um, and, and engaging with us on Instagram as well. So really appreciate that. Um, if you, if you enjoy the pod, give us a five-star uh, review uh, leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. That helps us, you know, get the podcast out there and um, yeah, and, and gets more people to, to listen to the pod. So we really appreciate you guys. Um, so you're you're going to start getting two, two college football pods a week. So um, um, thanks uh, for all your support. But the big game of the weekend obviously was Ohio State, Notre Dame. Game day was there. Ohio State prevails 17-14. Obviously we had um, all the the off the field stuff with Ryan Day's post game interview, which we can get into at the end. But Joe, I mean, major takeaways from this game. Obviously, there was you know a lot of, I would say, bad coaching down the stretch. It, it was a bit of a rock fight for most of this game. But how do you feel about both these teams coming out of it? I mean, the storyline's got to be Ohio State's tough, right? There's yeah, I had to bring that in there right away. Lou Holtz. Uh... Not not like crazy calling out Randy and the Buckeyes before. He was just like on game day talking to Pat McAfee yeah. and stuff and made a comment about them losing in big games, tough games, and, you know, the team didn't show up. And Randy really uh, had that top of mind in his post-game interview. But 
you know, I, I think the takeaway is the offenses were just slower than I thought. And maybe the defenses are a little bit better than we, we may have thought going to this game. But I mean, it was, it was a defensive slugfest for sure. And I thought Sam Hartman played well. He missed a couple of throws, a couple of things where they could have taken the top off the defense and gone for a little bit more. And it was right there for the taking for Notre Dame. There was a couple of decisions, you know, late in the fourth quarter that I disagreed with. And obviously the, you know, 10 guys on the field at the very end of the game was, was very costly with where they ran that ball. Twice. But, twice, you know, that came down to the final play at the last, you know, at the one yard line, three seconds left. And it was right there for Notre Dame. Like, what an opportunity, Sam Hartman. This is why he transferred there. And, you know, it's just tough because this loss just is killer for them the rest of the way. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard for them to stay in the playoff conversation, even if they only have this as their one loss. And Ohio State, I think they kind of lucked out with a win. Like, they did not play their best ball. The offense wasn't up to the task um, until the end of the game. That, you know, that big run by um, Trayvon by, yeah, Henderson there to, to get on the board. But other than that, the offense wasn't clicking. You know, they held Marvin Harrison Jr. in check. So, I mean, Ohio State certainly isn't unbeatable. And, and Notre Dame, I think it's, it's just a tough pill to swallow for those guys being right there. And I, I think having the game in hand in the fourth and just not uh, closing the door on Ohio State. Yeah, it's crazy how much narratives can swing by just one play. You know, any game that comes down to to one play is is obviously a great game. So even though this game was 3 nothing at half, I, I would say this was a great game uh, for a neutral fan. Um, and, you know, if Notre Dame gets a stop on, on Ohio State on that fourth down on the goal line, I mean, now we're talking about Notre Dame as one of the, you know, the best teams in the country, their playoff uh, contenders. Now we're looking at them as, well, they only play Duke and USC the rest of the way. They, they're going to have to win those games if they want to have a chance of getting into the playoff. They don't have a conference championship game, so that's going to hurt them. One less game to kind of make their case. So you, you feel bad about Notre Dame, and they're going to have a tough road to, to make it back to the college football playoff. Um, the whole Lou Holtz thing, I mean, he was just spewing Notre Dame propaganda on the, the Pat McAfee show, which he's entitled to do. He coached there. He's a Notre Dame legend. Like any... You know, Desmond Howard spews Michigan propaganda on college game day every single Saturday. Carl Kirby does the same thing for Ohio State because he, he went there and played there. So it's no different. I found it interesting that it's so easy to get under Ryan Day's skin. And, and make no mistake, I know I'm a Michigan fan and there's I admit that there's bias, but I mean, all of that noise about them not being tough is because Michigan out-toughed them two years in a row and dominated them on the ground and route to victory. That's why they're being, you know, hated on for, for not being able to out tough teams. So I understand where that narrative has come from. And I mean, they still got to play Penn state at home before they play Michigan this year. So we'll see how that game goes. Um, but ultimately I, I, I didn't feel good about either of these teams coming out of this game. I, I don't know if, you know, Ohio state's going to come out of the big 10. I don't think Notre Dame's going to make it to the playoff this season. Uh, like I said earlier, Ohio state still has to play Penn state. That's going to be a really tough matchup for them, even though that game's at home. A lot of bad coaching. I mean, a lot of bad coaching. Ohio State called that timeout and then ran a jet sweep on fourth and one. I mean, is that so tough? I, I don't know. Running a jet sweep on fourth and one, you know, Jim Harbaugh uh, would have just ran the ball right up the gut with Blake Corum or uh, Donovan Edwards or even Mullings, the third string back. Um, Notre Dame, 10 players on the field for the final two plays. Can't do that. Notre Dame running a pass play on second down while trying to run the clock out. You can't do that. So, just a lot of questionable coaching decisions in this game. And um, I, I don't feel great about either team just yet. Uh, Ohio State still has some chances to, to prove it, and, and Notre Dame has less. But 
uh, I, I didn't leave this game thinking, wow, they're they're going to win the national championship about Ohio State. Yeah, and I, I didn't either. Like, I felt like they were lucky to come out with a win. They did not play their best ball game on offense. Um, played well on defense, obviously, but um, le- definitely left a lot on the table there and, and wasn't Ryan Day's best coaching job, per se, either. But big game. They ended up getting the win. Like you said, narrative changes so much just from that final play. Like, I mean, big, I mean, Kyle McCord stepped up with that big pass to Agbuka, Agbuka late in the game to get him to that situation, to the to yeah. the win and in, essentially, right there. Uh, but, yeah, narrative could have switched a lot if they don't get it there, and they only put up a few points just in the entire game. So they're looking to come out with the win and, and have a big game against Penn State later in the season. Um, Notre Dame's got to get right back on it, too. They're at Duke this weekend. We'll preview for the preview pod, but that's a huge one. Duke's undefeated. They're down there if they lose, you know, the season's – all that early season hype is gone. And if, if they win, you know, maybe they can keep stacking them up the rest of the way. Yeah. And, you know, Notre Dame, they're going to, I mean, this is their one year with Sam Hartman. And, and it felt mm-hmm. like, it felt like, you know, the schedule kind of lined up to where this is probably the, their, their best chance at making the playoff. They finally have a quarterback. Um, they're loaded on, on both, uh, on both fronts. Uh, second year, uh, Marcus Freeman. So, you know, they're still developing the, on the recruiting show, but you get a really good quarterback in Hartman and you want to take advantage of, of the one year that you have them. Now they're probably going to be in the portal next year, trying to find another guy to come over to, to Notre Dame, unless you want to start a true freshman. Um, so yeah, tough, really, really tough loss for a Notre Dame. And what we both said in the preview pod last week that, you know, Notre Dame needs this more than Ohio state does. Ohio state can make up for it with wins over Penn state and Michigan and in the big 10 championship. But now you feel, you got to feel better obviously about Ohio state because they won the game, but um, you got Notre Dame's in a really tough spot moving forward. So this was a tough loss for them. Um, but again, for, for as much talent as Ohio state has, especially with their skill guys, scoring 17 points and, and, you know, not really, they had 10 points until the last second of the game, only three in the first half. I just expect a lot more from this offense. Um, and I think like the blueprint is still there to beat Ohio state. They're both. These teams are very beatable. Um, Michigan is, is a better version of Notre Dame. I'd say Penn state is a better version of Notre Dame. Uh, you know, and I, I can, I wouldn't be shocked if Penn state goes into the shoe and, and beats Ohio state this year, uh, just cause I, I think they're tougher, uh, and, and they have two really good running backs that they can, uh, run down Ohio state's throat, but that remains to be seen. Uh, I still really enjoyed watching this one. Any, any final thoughts before we move on to the next one? No, I mean, still a great game. Um, still really fun to watch. I thought, you know, Notre Dame's uniforms are pretty cool. So mm-hmm. it was kind of pulling for them there at the end of the game and hoping they could sneak one out against Ohio State. But Ohio State gets the win, and um, you know, they both got opportunities to keep proving who they are the rest of the way, too. Yeah, I'm excited for that Notre Dame game this weekend. We'll get into to that one in the preview pod. But really tough bounce-back spot for for the Irish. And if honestly, if you're Duke, you're probably rooting for Notre Dame to win that game, not lose it, because now Notre Dame's like – really going to you know be focused and, and not it's not going to be as big of a letdown spot as it would have been if they had won against Ohio State um, but we'll, we'll dive into that one a little bit more on the preview pod the other huge game from from Saturday uh, I mean there were a lot of huge games but this one was was the you know probably the second most exciting one um, Florida State squeaking by Clemson in Clemson 31-24 in overtime um, really fun game uh, you know Dabo Sweeney was running out a kicker that he basically plucked off the streets um, earlier in the week, and and he misses a, a really big field goal um, at the end of the game, twenty nine yards in the last two minutes. You got to make those, man. Um, turning point in this game w- was that huge uh, strip sack return for a touchdown. 
uh, by Kalen Deloach. That tied it at 24 and, and really felt like a momentum swinger um, because Cle- Florida State really couldn't get anything going on the ground against this Clemson front, which I, I found surprising. Uh, we talked about you know Florida State being able to dominate the trenches or win the trench battle against an SEC power in LSU, and they didn't do it against a Clemson team that I don't think too highly of. Uh, Florida State only had 22 rushing yards on, on 20 total attempts. Uh, they mostly contained Jordan Travis throughout this game, but it came down to overtime, and, and Keon Coleman proved that he's him, made a huge play, huge catch in the end zone, and Florida State escapes, and now feels like their path is 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 pretty 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 safe uh, to the college football playoff, barring upset moving forward. Um, that bars the question: is, is Florida State the class of the ACC now, Joe? I think they have to be, and like you said, I mean Clemson. Is was better going to this game than an unranked team. Like that's why the line was three points, and and Florida State, you know, showed against Boston College that they could slip up. But certainly the rest of the way, they're going to be the favorites. Even in the ACC championship, you expect them to be a favorite. I mean, the rest of the way, it's it's theirs for the taking. Um, mm-hmm. It's the expectation now. The rest of the way should be that they make the playoff. At this point, they are the class of the ACC. A gut wrench just lost for Clemson. Like they were right there. They played really well at home, and you know they had Florida State on their heels the entire game, but. Just couldn't get it done, and now that's their second ACC loss. Both of those, you know, to Duke and Florida State are in conference, so it's going to be hard for them, let alone to you know make a serious run even to the ACC championship. So tough season for Dab already um, sitting here, and um, they were right there. And like you said, the kicker pulled him off the streets. He was an old backup going to, I think he was going to New York, and yep. any time now he's a master's student. And Dab brought him back. He did hit a couple, I think one or two, and then just missed that one late, which is which is tough for him. His whole family, they were showing him up in the box they, and whatnot. They kept showing him. I thought it was too like ridiculous. It was too much. It's a good storyline, but also like there's a whole other team there too. I, I definitely get that. And um, Keon Coleman, I mean, man, he's been huge. You know, leaving Michigan State to go down there, he's been massive for the Seminoles. So um, him and Jordan Travis, and Jordan Travis, the Tiger King, man, just calling himself <laughs> the Tiger King, taking down Alice here. And Clemson, uh, Joe the Tiger King isn't isn't too pumped about it. <laughs> yeah, a, I also saw that. That's funny. Uh, but that's pretty funny, and you know, it's a it's a huge win for them, and they're going to be favorites the rest of the way uh, in the rest of the regular season in the ACC championship, and you know, hopefully for them and their sake, they're going to be in the college football playoff. Yeah, they're they're really their toughest games remaining are, are Duke at home. October 21st, and then Miami, which we don't really know a ton about this Miami team just yet. Obviously, they beat Texas A&M. Yep. That could be a huge one, November 11th uh, in, Florida too. In, in Tallahassee. Yeah, Florida at Florida to end the season. I think we'll learn a lot about Florida this weekend when they go uh, to Lexington and, and take on Kentucky. They're actually three-point dogs in that game. Uh, we'll talk about that as well in the preview. Um, but yeah, Florida State picks up a, a much-needed win because uh, I think it would have been difficult to kind of convince the committee that they're playoff worthy if they lost to this game uh, to Clemson, uh, just because the ACC they're in their remaining schedule. Um, and, and we'll talk about Dabo a little bit later on, I think the preview podcast as well. Uh, Clemson's 0-2 in ACC play for the first time since 2010. This is Florida State's first win against Clemson since 2014. Um, so some rarefied air for Mike Norvell on the Knowles. Um I don't know, man. I think the tides might be turning in the ACC. Uh, Dabo's really got to get on that portal. He's got to get on that NIL. Um, otherwise, Clemson's going to keep slipping away, I think. He's got to switch the way he goes about things. Um, and it's not like the world's ending for them. Like they're going to go, you know, four and 10 this year or whatever. But 
he he's got to switch it. Like now they're losing these close games. Like things are changing. Keon Coleman was huge yeah. for the Seminoles, and he was a transfer guy, like big 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 recruit coming down there. And you know he swung the game late and, and came up big in overtime. So yeah, I think I think it just goes to show like. Clemson got beat early in the season, weren't ready to roll, and now they lose to a superior team with get, with bigger recruits, with higher transfer portal guys, NIL down there. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And, and Clemson very well could have won the Duke game. A lot of turnovers in the red zone. They very well could have won this game as well, uh, as well against Florida State. But guess what? It's a results-based league. They lost both of those games, and that's all that matters. No one remembers how the game was lost. They remember the wins and the losses. And this was a tough one, you know, and, and their schedule moving forward. They go at Syracuse this weekend, who's undefeated, not not a cakewalk. Yep. Um, they got at Miami in mid-October, at NC State, home versus Notre Dame in November, and then home versus North Carolina, and, and then at South Carolina uh, to end the season. I mean, they, could, they could lose four or five games if, if this team isn't what we think it was heading into the season. They, they might not yeah. be good at all this year. Yeah. It, it's a tough loss. So hopefully they can turn around and, and come right back to it this weekend versus Syracuse. Or if it spin balls into something more than that, it's these ACC teams, it's it's getting decent in the middle of the pack there. And, you know, preview pod, Syracuse is undefeated right now. Yeah, yeah. Clemson has a much more difficult remaining schedule than, than Florida State does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ACC should be interesting to watch the rest of the way. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of fun games. And, and that's kind of a theme of the season, honestly, is there's a lot of really good teams this year. Um, and it feels like a lot of these conferences are deeper than normal. Pac-12, ACC, uh, Big 12's got some new teams in there. And, it I mean, Georgia could very well run away with this thing. But, I mean, right now they don't look as dominant as they had as they did the past two seasons. So it, it feels wide open right now, uh, mm-hmm. which is a nice change for college football. Yeah, 100%. I love the parody. And even Florida State, like, big program. But they haven't been fantastic the last few years and, you know, the past decade or so. So, Cool to see them, you know, knocking off Clemson, who's been on the top of the ACC for a bit. Yeah, nice, nice little change for sure in that conference. Uh, moving over to the SEC before we get into the Pac-12, Bama takes down Ole Miss twenty-four to ten. Really ugly first half, honestly, for the Tide. Um, their own line was struggling. Ole Miss was be- was able to get to Jalen Mil- Milrow uh, pretty easily in that first half, but but the Tide turned. No pun intended. In the second, uh, Jalen Milrow led led two touchdown drives in that half. Uh, the defense stuffed Ole Miss, only allowing a field goal, uh, kept bringing constant pressure on Jackson Dart, the Ole Miss quarterback. Uh, Alabama has clear quarterback limitations, right? You know, Jalen Milrow is not to attack of Iloa. He's not Bryce Young. Um, but the schedule is not awful the rest of the way. So you can't write them out of the playoff picture as disappointing of a season as it has been for Alabama, which is 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 funny because that – Bama inevitability, inevitability could still be a thing this season. Um, but but how do you feel about this game? How do you feel about the tide moving forward the rest of the way? Yeah, they're they're not out of it. They're not out of it. They got a hell of a team talent wise. So, um, like you said, the quarterback room is not the same as it has been. You know, with Bryce Young, with two of the past few years, and and with those rosters. So there is a limit to how far they can go. If they're down in the game, it's going to be difficult because. I mean, Miller's a heck of a runner, can make plays happen, can extend the play, but he's not the passer that these other guys were. So um, he did what he had to do. He did enough against Ole Miss. And this defense is going to have to play really well the rest of the way. They shut down Ole Miss in the second half. If not, I mean, this could have been tough. Like you said, you know, the Alabama O wasn't playing up to Sanders. The O-line isn't quite there for some reason and just struggling a little bit on that. So 
Um, tough for Ole Miss. I thought they were going to show up a little bit more, but Bryant Denning's a tough place to play for him. And yeah. just didn't really show up in the second half. I think they only had like three points or something. So Dart didn't have the magic. You know, Lane Kiffin obviously wanted this game against Saban, the old boss, but couldn't get it done. So I thought Ole Miss was, was better than this game um, that they showed. And Alabama, you just can't write them off. You just can't write them off. But I'll be curious to see in the rest of the, these SEC conference games of, of what happens because on the road at different places, I think Milrow is going to be back in a spot like Texas where he's going to have to make big-time plays through the air, and can he do it? He couldn't do it against Texas, so can he do it later in this season, and can the defense still carry Alabama uh, through the SEC play? Right, because the defense, you know, outside of the Texas game has looked great. Um, mm-hmm. And even in the Texas game, you know, Texas kind of ran away with it in the fourth quarter. They were solid through three. Um, just the offense really wasn't giving me many support. Uh, they go at Mississippi State, at A&M, home versus Arkansas, Tennessee at home, uh, LSU at home, at Kentucky, at Auburn, with Chattanooga sprinkled in there. So it's not a brutal schedule, you know, depending on what, what ends up uh, happening with Tennessee. Um, that LSU game will probably be a, a playoff eliminator if I had to make a mm-hmm. prediction. Uh, winner winner or loser goes home type matchup. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they get, they get it done. You don't feel great about them yet. Uh, maybe, maybe they're going to be a team that gets better as the season progresses. Um, but from an Ole Miss perspective, I mean, this is the worst Bama team in a, in a long, long time. And you feel like they, they, they miss a, a big opportunity. And, you know, since that 10 win season in 2021, that included a sugar bowl trip, Lane Kiffin's four and five in SEC play. And they were talking a lot of trash before this game, heading into it, um, and, and they didn't come good on, like I said, a Bama team that's just not as good as they have been in years past. So missed opportunity, it feels like, for Ole Miss, and they get LSU at home this weekend, so it doesn't get any easier uh, for the Rebels. Yeah, tough sledding for them. So back-to-back tough weeks, and like I said, Kevin definitely wanted this one at Alabama and against Saban. Looked like it was theirs for the taking. I thought their offense was going to show up more, and Played fine the first half and just just threw a dud in the second half. So Dart didn't have the magic and and they really uh, just lost it there. And so big win for Alabama. Uh, they got momentum moving forward. And you know, opposite for Ole Miss, tough game. Obviously, I'm the I'm on the Tigers of LSU this coming weekend, but yeah. could be two straight losses for him, which would be would be tough for him. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing coming out of this game is is Bama minus seven finally hits for my lock of the week. I am on the board <laughs> at one and three on the season. So. I, I was sweating it big time in that first half, uh, but after the third quarter, I felt pretty good about it, and they, they got it done. So uh feels good to get on the board um, for the lock of the week. Yeah, I missed mine. I missed mine. I was on NC State. They won, but I took the spread, which was tough. I should have just locked Florida State. I mean, they were minus three, and I don't know. Tough on the lock of the week. Upsets aren't hitting either, but those are really hard to predict. Yeah, upsets. Upset, all right, so like for the upsets, we're just trying to hit like – one or two on the whole season, just because the yeah. upsets are really hard to predict in college football. They they don't happen as often as you think. Whereas in the NFL, you know, it happens. Honestly, like Cardinals beating the Cowboys, like stuff like that happens every once yeah. in a while. College football much less so. So you know, two or three on the season, I'd be really happy. Um, but locks, you know, you're trying to hit them, and uh, starting out one three is really tough for me. NC State, yeah, that was a, that was a good one, uh, good pick. I thought. I, I Virginia is one of the worst power five teams, but I mean, they got the win. They just didn't cover. So yeah, tough beat, yeah. Uh, but that happens. I think, we were, I think you're still like two and two on the season. So could be worse or yeah. maybe three and one. I don't know. So could be worse. Moving to the pack 12, the conference of champions, 
obviously that the the storyline that the headliner game of, of this past weekend was Oregon Colorado, and I mean if you missed the the first five minutes, the game's over. I mean it ends forty two to six uh, in Eugene. Could have been way worse. Oregon pulled their starters like midway through the third quarter. Um, Dan Lanning passionate pregame speech. They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. Absolutely love that line. Uh, you saw, you know, in the in the video dropped by the Oregon football program today, just all the trash that Colorado was talking before the game, uh, mostly unjustified, calling out their coach, how they're going to fight the coach. Um, just just rough look for Colorado. And, and Oregon, you know, kind of took care of business. A little bit of humble pie, I, I must say, for the buffs. Uh, Oregon fake, fake punted on their own 17. But the main thing, and I talked about this last week, coming out of the Colorado State game was the line play from Colorado. It is the clear spot that they need to upgrade. Um, And they got exposed against Oregon this weekend. Seven sacks given up. Shadur Sanders held on the ball for way too long on on a lot of those. Um, And, and, I mean, the Buffs got dominated. There's really not much else to say than, than the Buffs just got absolutely dominated. Yeah, I mean, they got lit up like a Christmas tree. It was coming, it was coming at some point. Said last week they'll be lucky to win one of these two games, Oregon and USC. Now they're really going to be lucky to win one of these two games because they just got blown out of the water by Oregon. Bo Nix was on fire. I mean, they tore apart this Colorado secondary. The offensive line was playing like Swiss cheese. I mean, Oregon was just living in the backfield. Shadour didn't play great. But, I mean, they, they just got outplayed. And I think it showed here that they have talent, but they don't have a team. And, you know, guys didn't show up to their talent level. And just as a team, it wasn't cohesively there. And that was going to happen eventually. I mean, Pac-12 is deep this year, Oregon, Washington, USC. USC is going to be really tough for, for Colorado this weekend too. So I think mean, just caught up to them and, um, you know, didn't want to see them lose. But, I mean, you saw it coming. And, you know, they had stuff before the game of, like, stomping on the logo and, and trash talking. And, you know, that's how they're going to roll and, and stuff like that. But they got to hand it to them. Um, we got the wheels beaten off of them. And, Oregon's a, a serious contender moving forward. I, you know, we said it before, but Bo Nix is playing out of his mind up there, veteran quarterback leading that team. So, I mean, big win for Oregon. Um, they took care of Colorado. I, I think they just, you know, left no room for error, like just pure domination, and Colorado couldn't do anything. So, I think they're still a great team, but probably going to be back-to-back losses with USC coming down. Again, they're 20-point underdogs, and probably deservedly so. They just fell to the top 25. All that hype is is starting to fall off a little bit. So, you know, tough loss for them, tough game this weekend, big win for Oregon, and they're, they're rolling the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, Oregon's got a lot of big games left moving forward. Um, from a Colorado's perspective, like, when you talk that much trash and you get that much media attention and you, like, live for the limelight and you kind of play it up, like, you're, like, you're going to have to realize that teams are going to give you your best shot because – you're just making it more and more – you're giving them more ammunition and more reasons to want to beat them the way Oregon did. So don't be surprised when teams don't like you, you know? So I think – and it kind of reminds me of like early Harbaugh at Michigan when he was a lot more flamboyant than he than he is today, and he's certainly matured in that aspect. But Michigan was kind of that team to a much less extent than, than Deion Sanders in Colorado where he was kind of chirping and, and doing weird stuff uh, in the media – and Michigan always had the target on their back. Now, Michigan always has a target on their back, um, but he, he kind of gave other teams more ammunition. And, and I just don't think you want to do that 
um, as a football program. You know, they obviously have a long way to go. This is year one of the project. They've already won three games, which is, you know, a lot considering the expectations heading into the season. Um, but again, I just go back. The main thing for them is is going to be beefing up those lines, um, yeah. especially that offensive line. So I'll be I'll be curious to see what they what they get going in the portal this offseason. Yeah, they'll be right back in the portal to beef up these these weak spots. But um, tough loss. I didn't think it would be this bad for them. I thought they'd put up more than six, but saw a loss coming. Tough loss for them. Probably another tough one this weekend, which is which is. Just a, a difficult back-to-back schedule with Oregon and, and USC. Um, but for Oregon, you know, didn't play with their food. They came out, made a statement, and, and just balled out. Yeah, Bo Nix, 22 of 24 in the first half. Didn't even play in the fourth. Uh, they go at Washington October 14th. That is must-see TV. Uh, and then Washington State the week after that, followed by Utah. And then USC November 11th. So their schedule is brutal. The the Pac-12 is loaded, like we've talked about multiple times. Uh, and, and I just can't believe that USC, Oregon, Washington, and UCLA are all going to be in the Big Ten next year. C- can you imagine if all those teams were in, in, in the Big Ten this year? They, pro- you know, Knowing the way things work in the Big Ten, they'd probably throw them in the Big Ten East, and the Big Ten West would still be a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the Big Ten West is... Uh... <laughs> I don't know who's going to get the the right to get just absolutely pounded in Indiana at uh, uh, Lucas Oil later this year because none of those teams are going to be looking like the cream of the crop. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny. They, they obviously no more divisions next year, which will be much much welcome. That's needed. Yeah, yeah much needed. Uh, other big uh, Pac-12 matchup was was uh, Wazoo hosting Oregon State. They end up taking that one 38-35 over the Beavs. Uh, this game was a lot close or a lot uh, more of a blowout than the final score indicates. You know, uh, Washington State was up 35 14 at one point. My biggest takeaway from this game is Cam Ward looks legit under 28 year old offensive coordinator Ben Arbuckle. He finished 28 of 34 for 404 yards, four touchdowns, and no picks. Uh, Fresno State transfer Josh Kelly, the wideout, went for 159 yards and three touchdowns. And Washington State. This is the battle of no one wants us conference-wise. Washington State prevails, and they they look legit. I'm really excited, and I'm in on this Washington State team. We're doing a Heisman preview pod uh, or a Heisman ranking power poll in the next podcast. I, spoiler alert: Cam Ward is on that list. He has been electric for the Cougars. Dude, he's about it. He's him. He's got that dog in him, dude. Wazoo. I've been on him early in the season, and I picked him to win this week over Oregon State. I think playing at home in Pullman was was uh, big time for him. It's a sneaky, tough place to play. Uh, Lee Corso saying it's the game no one want, wants to watch, Bull. But, dude, that was a fun game, awesome game to watch, uh, electrifying offensive can't, can't, offenses. Cam Ward was dynamite out there. I mean, he's running around. He's making plays with his legs. He's throwing the ball 400 yards. I mean, the, the final score was close, only three points, but they really did dominate um, most of the way. They didn't quite put him away, but got the win. They're legit. We just said all the you know Oregon games coming up, and same goes for Washington State. They'll have Washington and, and Oregon on the schedule, and it's going to be tough to run the full gauntlet here, but they're legit. They're going to be a tough team to play the rest of the way. You won't want to be playing in Pullman. And for Oregon State, they have a big game coming right back this weekend. Um with Utah, but, you know, close for him. DJ played fine, but just wasn't quite there. I think, you know, really being in Pullman was, was tough for him, uh, but really fun game, I thought, either way. So disagreed with with Big Dog Lee Corso there and uh, Jake Dickert, the Wazoo head coach. 
you know, they're playing with the chip on their shoulder, especially him as the head coach. They they want to be a power five team. And boy, if they keep running the table like this, they're undefeated right now. If they pull off some big, big wins, they're going to have quite the case the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, what better way to prove to other conferences that you're power five worthy than, you know, making a, a New Year's Six Bowl or even making a college football playoff, making the Pac-12 championship game in a year that the conference is absolutely stacked. I, they are certainly playing with a major chip on their shoulder and you got to love it. I mean, how can you root against either of these teams? Honestly, you know, Oregon state and Wazoo, not, no one wants them. Uh, they're not seen as big TV draws, I, I guess is the main reason that no one wants them, but they got good teams and um, we'll see Oregon state against Utah. Uh, that game's in Corvallis on Friday night. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the preview, but Oregon state's bouncing back with, with a really tough one. But another fun game, um, and Wazoo gets the dub. A less fun game in the Pac-12 was was the Utah-UCLA game, which Utah won 14-7. No Cam Rising again was kind of the main story. Nate Johnson ran quarterback for the Utes again. They're 4-0 with three wins over Power 5 opponents, and their defense in this one was absolutely stifling. Uh, Dante Moore, the UCLA QB, went 15 of 35, 234 yards, a pick and a fumble lost. They sacked him three of four times uh, on the plays in the last drive where they were kind of trying to drive to tie the game. Um, and, you know, while the Utah offense has not clicked yet, mostly because Cam Rising has not played yet this season, their defense is, I mean, you could make a case for them having the best team in the country. They're only allowing 9.5 points per game. Like I said, they're playing Corvallis on Friday night. Or sorry, they're playing Oregon State in Corvallis on Friday night. Um, but I think for Utah right now, the, with no Cam Rising, the most important thing is, is getting wins. It's not how they look. And they got the win against UCLA, 14-7. Ugly one, but a win is a win for the Utes. Yeah, ugly one for them, but that defense showed up. They made Dante Moore look like a true freshman um, who just couldn't make the plays. And Utah has a tough place to play, man. Like, it yep. is. It's it's hard to get out there. So Chip Kelly's UCLA offense just had nothing going pretty much the entire game. So hats off to the Utes defense. Um, that's not going to cut it on offense against Oregon State this Friday night. Cam Rising was trending towards playing. He didn't. He was you know practicing last week. Again, he's going to practice this week. You've got to think he's right there. He's got to be right there to be playing. So I, I hope he comes back just for the sake of them, for you know the sake of the excitement and, and everything there. Um, so I was on the Utes, you know, with or without him this week. It's going to be tough, though, at Oregon State this Friday night. I think they need him. I think the offense needs to put up more than 14 against DJ and, and the Beavs at home. Um, so they need Cam Rising. I think he's going to go, but, you know, it's clearly lingering, and we'll see if he's got any rust, you know, going on there, missing the first month of the season. But hats off to the defense. They're 4-0, three really tough games against Power 5 opponents. So, I mean, Utah, heck of a program, um, you know, before they switch over to the uh, the Big 12 next year. but. Great win. I think they need Cam Rising and UCLA. Tough loss. Um, all that early season hype really went down the hill, and Dante Moore just kind of played like a freshman. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast. Uh, you know, when do you – like you're 4-0 without Cam Rising, but he's clearly the best quarterback on the roster. Mm-hmm. But to your point, there's going to be rust there. So, like, when do yep. you insert him into that starting spot again? Or do you ease him in? Because they play at Oregon State, which we would both agree is a tough spot. And then they have a bye week and then they play Cal at home, which would be a much easier game to kind of ease him in before they go at USC the following week. So it's, I think they're in a really tricky situation. I'll be 
very, very curious to see um, who they go with that QB this week. And, and that's, you know, one of my players to watch is, is just the Utah quarterback room this week. Mm-hmm. Where do they go? Yeah, update today was they're going to be splitting reps in practice this week. So if he's ready, I think you give him the green light just because of all he's done for the program and, and who he is as a leader and, and a player. But it is tricky because if he's rusty, there's going to be not a lot of a room for error and, and margin for error against Oregon State. That offense can get going in a hurry with DJ and they're at home. So you don't want to get down too much um, and play from behind. So um, hopefully the defense you know does what they've done all year and, and shuts him down and, and keeps it low scoring uh, for their sake. And then uh, you know, Cam knocks that rust off and gets going. But, you know, the, and on the other side, it's like, hey, if he's not ready, sit him. You got to buy a week, and then he's for sure ready to go against Cal. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Definitely something to watch the rest of the way this week. Absolutely. Some other games of note before we get out of here on the preview pod. Penn State beats – or, sorry, on the recap pod. Penn State beats Iowa 31 nothing in the whiteout. Terrible game. Ugly game. Rainy game. Uh, the drive – Beat down. The drive for 325 is becoming pathetic. 21 points per game. They'll need to average 26.7 the rest of the season to get 325 points. Iowa had 76 total yards and four first downs. Cade McNamara completed five passes. Um, Penn State had the ball for 13 minutes and 26 seconds in the third quarter. I mean, that's just, at, at what point, like, I know Kirk Ferentz is absolute royalty at Iowa, but what point do you, do you like, Get rid of the guy. I mean, at what point do you question like, what do, do Iowa fans like have some sort of sick enjoyment of like absolutely no offensive threat at all? I, I, there's, you know, we always associate Iowa with not having an offense, but if they brought in a new coach, they could have a high flying offense if they really wanted to. I don't understand why they're so dedicated to scoring no points a game. It is just crazy. I mean. There is, there is something to say that Kirk Ferentz, like, such sustained success and the defense and the program, the legacy he has there and, and everything like that. But it's just crazy for a team that consistently goes, like, 9-3 and three and has these opportunities in the Big Ten West to be, you know, a contender on the national landscape if they just have an offense. It was actually pathetic how bad the offense was. Four first downs and 76 total yards. Kate McNamara has played for, for Michigan. He's put up big games, like, he can do it. Like, this offense was anemic in this game. It was unbelievable. Even you watch last week, Illinois even put up points against Penn State. Like, they showed signs yeah. of life. They scored touchdowns. They made plays happen. They found a weakness. Iowa could not – they could not even find, like, plays, like, back-to-back plays. Like, oh, we can put together 10 yards in a row. Like, they could not do a single thing, and they're power five. They're a good team. They're a Big Ten program, and they, they literally looked like – an FCS team against them. They couldn't move the football whatsoever. And there's veteran guys like Kate on this team and, and wideouts and running backs. And I mean, that is something else. So at some, at, at what point are you like, especially with these new teams coming in, like Washington, USC are going to put up points. They're going to shake up divisions and everything like that. It's not going to be the same. You got to put up points. I know Kirk Ferentz has been there forever, but you need to score. And with your son as the OC, dude, if you score zero points and have 76 yards, you can't do that in a game like this at Penn State. You just can't do that. Yeah, and it's going to get to a point where transfers and recruits on the offensive side of the ball, they're just like, I'm not going to Iowa. I mean, they scored no points a game. Why would I – I'm not going to be able to get drafted. Even with talent, there's clearly something wrong system-wise on offense. Like, they cannot score. Yeah. They cannot score. It's embar- I mean, it's embarrassing. Uh, Penn State, they look solid. Dr. Aller looked okay. Uh, tough, rainy, you know, game, tough moving the ball. But 
Penn State's going to be a tough team in the Big Ten East. Uh, you know, their their season, you know, really starts when they go at Ohio State on October 21st. Uh, that that's mm-hmm. a must must watch game um, game of the yeah. season. It, I think the the Michigan Ohio State game, obviously, and, and the Penn State Michigan game, and the Ohio State Penn State game um, are are the biggest games in college football this season. Obviously, in the Big Ten, um, but. Uh, just I, I honestly, I think from a landscape perspective, because all three of those teams are, are came into the season with playoff expectations, and James Franklin, Ryan Day are, are kind of both on a lukewarm seat. Um, so those are those games are, are going to be absolutely massive, and, and we're getting closer to the first one. Yeah, yeah, and Penn State in this game, like I thought, this was a sneaky another radar game, and Iowa just didn't show up, so can't really put anything in Penn State. They they had to do, ran the clock in the second half, just pounded the ball. So, you know, just beat them down 31-0, no question about it. Um, but they'll be ready to roll, I think, in a couple weeks versus Ohio State, and that's going to be the, the real test for them. Iowa is, I thought Iowa would be a test and, and a challenge, but they were just nothing of the sort. No, maybe Northwestern honestly gives gives the Beavers, or sorry, the Nittany Lions more of a, cha- uh, more of a test this weekend in, in Chicago. Another game that happened, the game you were at, LSU takes down Arkansas 34-31. I didn't, I didn't see much of this game. Uh, it was on my, my iPad on, on one of the smaller monitors, and I only turned it on because this game was surprisingly close. So give me the, give me the rundown uh, and your main takeaways from this one. Yeah, for sure. So i got to shout out my guy Kyle who hooked it up down there this weekend. Um, he's a grad assistant for the team, and he's actually moving to Air Force. He's going to be full-time on their strength staff, so he's coming out to Colorado which is exciting, but got to go down there, see the atmosphere, the experience, like I said earlier on the pod, just top-notch, um, you know, national championship expectation program. Um, they want to get back there like they did a few years ago with Coach O and Joe Burt. But it was it was closer than it should have been. You know, they were clearly better than Arkansas, but the offense just didn't click in the first half, and they got the ball back with about a minute to go, and they were down 13-3, to and you were like, and they might be in trouble in this game. Three plays, like 12 seconds, big-time touchdown to Brian Thomas Jr. Going to the half, down 13-10, and they had a lot of momentum. Yeah. Got the ball, three plays, 75 yards to start the second half. And from there, the offense could not be stopped. They were dynamite. Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors stepped up big, too. Both a couple of touchdowns, lots of yards. Um, Jaden Daniels played really well in the second half, really composed, took what was there, found the big shot when they need it. Um, the defense had Arkansas on the ropes. They just needed one more stop at all times. And a couple flags, a couple penalties, a couple big plays. Um, and K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas, veteran quarterback, yep. keeps the play alive, knows what he's doing. He was really composed the whole game. Kept them in it, down to the wire. Um, big two-point conversion play to tie it late in the game with a couple minutes left. Um, so don't sleep on Arkansas the rest of the way. They're going to be... They're going to be pesky to all the rest of these SEC teams. So I could see them pulling off a big upset at some point over the next month, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, LSU got the ball back with the tie game with about four or five minutes left, ran the clock, picked up first downs, and then knocked a field goal with about five seconds left to uh, to end the game. So closer than it should have been. There were a couple touchdown favorites and clearly better than Arkansas. But, you know, props to Arkansas for coming in in a rivalry game, playing tough in a tough environment. I mean, Really cool to see, you know, singing back, calling Baton Rouge, and they're playing back and doing all that at, at LSU. So a win's a win. Um, could have played better for sure and going to have to against Ole Miss um, this weekend going at Ole Miss. But awesome game. Don't sleep on Arkansas and, and love the Tigers the rest of the way. 
yeah, I, it's really good to see a, a receiver not named Malik Neighbors uh, have, have a productive game for the Tigers because if they can have two uh, re- receiving threats, uh, you know, that's a lot better than just one big threat. Uh, obviously, they, you know, at Ole Miss this weekend, you said, and then at, at Missouri for the Tigers, that's going to be uh, a tough one as well. Missouri's looking a little better than I think a lot of people thought. Um, obviously, that huge game at Bama on November 11th as well. So, yeah, um, big I mean, a win is a win. Um, and, and I think we're going to learn a lot about the Tigers as well this weekend uh, when they go to Oxford to take on take on Ole Miss. But I, I'm good. I'm glad you enjoyed the game. Looks like it was a lot of fun. And uh, honestly, maybe better since you're a neutral, uh, sort of neutral. You know, it's it's better to see like a entertaining game than a boring blowout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Selfishly, I mean, I wanted them to win and and win big. But selfishly, it was fun to see the entire game and and come down to crunch time where they had to make big plays and see the whole stadium still packed till the final few seconds. So, you know, for me, it was awesome to get the experience that and have it be a close game. Um, but got a little dicey. Arkansas wouldn't go away in the second half there. And you know, I think it's good to have those games. It's good to have experience in close games instead of just beating everybody by three plus touchdowns. Because um, if they if they want to you know make moves come December and January, having games like this to kind of hold your hat on, be like we've been in these close situations, we've been in games where we had to you know grind it out and get the win. It's it's it, it helps to have those those games under your belt. So uh, I mean, maybe it could be a good thing for for LSU moving forward. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, awesome game and sticking in the SEC, sticking with some Tigers. Yes, Memphis just falls to Missouri. It, it was a close one. Brady Cook was playing banged up for most of this one. They, they win by seven, 34-27. Memphis was leading in the second quarter, um, but Missouri ultimately was, was the better team. Uh, I still feel good about that for my upset of the week pick. Uh, the Tigers looked like a really good group of five team. Main story for me is is Missouri seems like a legit team. Good uh, good fronts, uh, good quarterback, and, and Luther Burden, that wide receiver, is legit. He had 10 receptions for 177 yards in this one. And the Tigers get the win over the Tigers. Uh, Missouri, um, you know, they're going to, they they could play spoiler, honestly, in, in the big, in the SEC this year. Um, they play LSU. They go at Georgia. They play Tennessee and Florida. Um, I don't know. It, it's good to see, you know, Missouri be good because they're usually not. And then Memphis, you know, they play Boise State at home this weekend. Um, I think they have Tulane on the schedule. So don't write Memphis off for, for being that top group of five team this year. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, they're still in the running for it. I mean, it was right there down to the wire. They're close in this game. And they're going to have opportunities to prove it later in the season to be that group of five team. And Missouri, I think just like Arkansas, I said about KJ Jefferson, same thing for Brady Cook, like playing with a chip on his shoulder. Fans were booing him the other week, but he's playing great. He's playing gutsy. He's playing injured. He's got an unbelievable talent in Luther Burden. You know, that big five-star recruit stayed home to Missouri. Huge get for that staff there. And um, he showed up in this game. He's going to have to show up against these other SEC teams for them to win. But they're going to be pesky. They're going to be tough, especially at home. And even on the road against these other teams like Georgia, they play these teams close. And if they can just swing the game with a guy like him, he's a game breaker. Yeah. And you catch your team on a bad day, this isn't the team that you want it to happen against. So don't sleep on either of these Tiger programs. They're, they've got bright things the rest of the way. And I think there's a Missouri upset in the future here. Yeah, would would love to see it. Uh, moving to the Big 12, a uh, couple couple games here. Uh, Kansas beats BYU 38-27. Keaton Slovis threw two picks. And then also Oklahoma takes down Cincinnati 20-6. Any thoughts on those? 
Yeah, I was on BYU as my upset of the week at Kansas. Um, Keaton just uh, King Keaton just did not have it quite yet uh, in this game. Didn't really play like the vet he should have. And Jim Daniels for Kansas, electrifying dude, sets up a big matchup. We'll talk about it in the preview, but both those undefeated teams, Kansas and Texas, going to yeah. be really fun. I mean, how about Kansas being undefeated and being exciting, having you know kind of a fringe upset pick this weekend against Texas? So. Um, cool for them. BYU still can be competitive the rest of the way in the Big 12. And then Oklahoma, uh, defense looked fantastic. Offense wasn't as electrifying as uh, you may have thought, but gets the job done. Brent Venables came in there to clean up the defense. Sure did in this game. Uh, shut down Cincinnati with a, a tough loss after losing to Miami, Ohio last week. In overtime, get Oklahoma, expect a loss, but back-to-back ones for them. Still really respectable. Going to put up a tough fight the rest of the way in the Big 12. Um, so tough loss, but Oklahoma's getting geared up and ready to roll for Texas in a few weeks, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited for that showdown. Uh, OU's defense looks legit. Uh, they've only allowed three touchdowns in four games. Uh, linebacker Danny Stussman, uh, 13 tackles and 3.5 tackles for loss on the season. Texas game in two weeks. You know, that's their Super Bowl. That's the biggest game of the year mm-hmm. for them. So really, really excited to to see that one in Big 12 land. And, and Kansas, Texas this weekend, um, I don't know, man. Kansas won that game a few years ago in Austin. Could they pull it off again this year? And now they're a heck of a lot better, but so is Texas, I'd say. Yeah, so is Texas. Uh, another Big 12 one, West Virginia beats Texas Tech 20-13. to Honestly, Neil Brown off the hot seat. Texas Tech, yep. a really disappointing start for them. Tyler Shuck broke his fibula in the first quarter. He's out six to eight weeks. Um, and Texas Tech is now one and three. West Virginia, three and one, with the only loss being Penn State. So, got to feel good about by the Mountaineers and, and Texas Tech, just a nightmare season for them, honestly. Yeah, I think just the tale of, of two stories, man. I, I had West Virginia and Neil Brown in the hot seat. So, I mean, he's 3-1. and one. They're playing great ball, big win for them, and vice versa for Texas Tech. I am a sleeper contender to make, like, you know, a yeah. TCU run to the playoff and just, just fumbling all their opportunities here early in the season. So, tough start. You know, he's hurt now, and, and who knows what happens the rest of the way. There might be dogs in a, in a lot of these games in the Big 12 now. Yeah, they're they're going to have a tough, tough sledding the rest of the way. I think they're 10-point favorites in their game this weekend, and I, I can't remember who they're playing, but we'll talk about that on Preview Pod, but take the mm-hmm. whoever they're playing. I can't remember. Iowa State, maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, two Big Ten matchups. Maryland beats Michigan State 31-9, and Northwestern beats minnesota your golden gophers in overtime this game was in chicago uh northwestern was down 31 to 10 and they come out with the win in ot tough sledding for the gophers dude just fumbling the bag in this one my brother was actually at the game he went to chicago he's a gopher alum he said after the game well he was in pure shock and disbelief but he said it's almost funny that they just blew that and lost that. He said it's almost funny because he was so pissed off. But I mean, <laughs> thirty-one to ten, the game's over. Run the clock, get like a couple first downs, make a stop. They, he said, it just fell apart. The defense couldn't stop anything. They were giving up everything in the passing game. They couldn't get first downs. They didn't, you know, get risky and try to go for it on fourth or anything. Pinned them deep or tried to at least late in the game. Booted into the end zone as a touchback. Give it up, and then they they give up on the first play of overtime, the touchdown to lose. So he said, just like unbelievable, like unbelievable that they lost. Like they each should have been an easy conference win. They had the game; they're playing so well, and just fell apart in the second half of the third quarter, and then all of the fourth, and and botched in overtime. So 
I mean, props to Northwestern fighting for the new coaching staff and, and for these guys. They still want to win. They're still power five. So kudos to them. But, I mean, just a brutal loss for the Garden Gophers. Yeah, you, you can't lose to Northwestern. I mean, that's that's just when You can't lose them, one. But, two, you're up 31 to 10. If you're up by three touchdowns in the second half, you cannot lose that game. Yeah. Michigan, you just can't. Michigan transfer A.J. Henning caught the, the game-tying touchdown uh, in the fourth. So shout out to him. Uh, but Minnesota, yeah, that's a really tough one. Uh, and then Michigan state 31, nine losing to Maryland, Maryland, man, Maryland, I think Maryland could be, and you know, they showed a graphic in the game, like over the past, I can't, I won't get it exactly right, but like over the past four or five seasons, Northwestern's like third or or sorry, not Northwestern, Maryland's like third or fourth in in the big 10 standings. They sneakily rack up wins. They're just mm-hmm. in the Big Ten East, so they lose to Penn yeah. State, Michigan, Ohio State every single year. They end up with three losses, but they look really good. They've won all four games by at least 18 points. Uh, the defense has only allowed four offensive touchdowns. They forced five turnovers against Michigan State. They forced 11 total turnovers on the season. They're good, and Michigan plays them before the Ohio State game this year. I'm nervous. That, that one's in Maryland. That'll be a tough one. Um, so Maryland could be that Missouri of the Big Ten this year, kind of playing spoiler and then Michigan State, you know, they they this game was actually closer than the final score indicates. Michigan State w- was in it in the third quarter, um, but just a tough ugh, tough season for them. It, it, I don't know if they'll be favorites in any of their games moving forward. Yeah, tough go. We won't get into the Mel Tucker stuff. They're they're terminating them now. Well, that's going to be a whole deal off the field. But um, yeah, it seems like they're unraveling. The staff just doesn't have it under control with the players now. And, you know, Maryland's sneaky. Like you said, really tough every year in the Big Ten East playing Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, you know, a combination of those guys. So been tough for them to crack in that contender stage. But they're undefeated. They're playing really well. They're they're going to be spoilers. So we'll see. And, and Talia's been out there for a few years to his younger brother. So he knows the playbook. They've had big wins. They've had big games. So... Look for him as a veteran quarterback, sneakily with that staff that's been around for a bit now. They're nothing to play around with, especially at home out there. Yeah, they don't have a huge home field advantage, but they're 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 tough. And you know, Michigan only beat them by seven points last year at home. I think that was our first conference game. So I don't know. I mean, Maryland underrated program. So shout out to them. They do a good job down there or up there, wherever you are in the world. Uh, in in Maryland. Um, but that is that is week four. It, it was a great week, a lot of hype heading into it. And I, honestly, I think it, it lived up to expectations. 100%. Heck of a week. And for me to have boots on the ground down, in, down at LSU. So awesome to experience that. Great week four. Great games all around for, for all the conferences, really. Um, a nice solid week five preview coming up in a bit. But hope you guys enjoyed the week four recap. Yep. Uh, enjoyed making it for you guys. Like I said earlier, five-star review, give us, you know, some comments, whatever. Uh, if you enjoy the pod, give us a one-star review. I don't know, but uh, it helps helps boost uh, the, the podcast and helps us grow. So thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you guys on Thursday for our preview podcast. See you later.